You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon from the studios of Community Radio 91.3 FM. Reporting for WFHB, this is Cade Young. And I'm Sydney Foreman. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, April 1st, 2020. Coming up in the next half hour, Sydney Foreman talks to Adam Wason, Director of Public Works for the City of Bloomington, about early starts on road construction. Also coming up later in the program, our Consumer Watchdog segment, Better Beware. But first, your local headlines. There are over 2,500 cases of coronavirus in Indiana. The Indiana State Department of Health reports the death toll is now at 65 people. This is out of 14,000 people tested. Monroe County now has 33 positive cases of COVID-19. These numbers were updated by the State Department of Health at 11.59 p.m. on March 31st. On Saturday, March 28th, one of the Bloomington Fire Department's firefighters tested positive for COVID-19. The confirmation came after three firefighters, one of which tested positive, were quarantined after potential exposure to the virus on March 23rd, according to a city press release. The firefighter was immediately placed in self-quarantine at home, and the department, quote, implemented a thorough decontamination of the station, equipment, and apparatuses with which the firefighter had had recent contact, end quote. According to the report, the firefighter experienced mild symptoms and is expected to make a full recovery. The Bloomington Fire Department has identified colleagues who may have been in close contact with the firefighter and are advising them to take the necessary precautionary measures from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention and the Indiana Department of Health. The city report also states that BPD is working to identify and advise any members of the public who may have come in contact with the individual. All three firefighters are expected to return to work by April 7th. In the city release, Bloomington Fire Chief Jason Moore said, quote, Our department is committed to the safety of our residents and the firefighters who serve them. End quote. Next up, WFHB correspondent Katrine Bruner reports on the future of the Bloomington Farmers Market in a time of crisis. She also reports on a new farmers market project. We now turn to Katrine Bruner for the latest scoop on the farmer's market during the coronavirus pandemic. With all the changes happening right now during these times, there is a lot that will be missed, especially in the city of Bloomington. One thing that seems to be missing from the city now that spring is upon us is the Bloomington Community Farmer's Market. Bloomington has consistently been giving residents an option for healthy local produce and materials from families and businesses for years, with the farmer's market at the city showers building and the winter market in various locations. In light of the crisis that Indiana, along with the world, is experiencing right now, the webpage for the city posted an alternative route for the community farmer's market to continue. The solution, as it seems to be for many things recently, is technology. It was stated on the page, quote, a new version of the April market will utilize online ordering directly from market vendors, and we are looking forward to sharing those details in the near future, end quote. As of now, the winter farmer's market is still happening with a drive-through style of getting prepared food to customers. 
Food will be available every Saturday from 9 a.m. until 12.30 p.m., according to the Bloomington Winter Farmer's Market page. This will be at the Pavilion in the Switchyard Park, 1601 South Rogers Street. Bloomington's Tuesday market is set to begin on the first Tuesday of June and be held until September from 4 to 7 p.m. in the Pavilion at Switchyard Park. The People's Cooperative Market is a sponsored project by Artisan Alley, a nonprofit charitable organization. The People's Market provides boxes filled with a variety of options from produce to meats to cheeses to desserts, all from local distributors. Customers may purchase a box online from their website. Boxes are pre-packed by volunteers and distributed Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. till 1 p.m. at the Blooming Foods East on 3220 East 3rd Street. The People's Market originally planned on launching their business on April 4th at Blooming Foods East. However, those plans have changed since the world has been facing these issues. On their website, the market stated, quote, We are offering our customers alternative means for accessing fresh, local food while also supporting our local farmers, vendors, and the members of our community in need. End quote. For WFHB, I'm Katrine Bruner. Area 10 on Aging's Rural Transit is now taking orders by call for prescription and grocery deliveries. Services will include Monroe, Owen, Putnam, and Lawrence County residents. For those in Monroe County, rural transit deliveries will only be made outside of city limits. This service comes at no cost, however, the transit system does accept donations. Appointments can be made by calling the Rural Transit Office. Phone numbers differ by county and can be found at area10agency.org backslash rural transit. Indiana University's trustee election was postponed by one year due to the pandemic. It was originally scheduled for this summer. The election will now take place in June of 2021. IU President Michael McRobbie said the schedule change will allow for a more regular election. Interacting with alumni face-to-face proves as an important component of the election. Trustees Chair Michael Miro said, quote, The Board of Trustees is grateful to Governor Holcomb for his order postponing this spring's alumni election in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. Current member Pat Shoulders will hold his seat until next June. The Food and Beverage Tax Advisory Commission discussed the City of Bloomington's request for funds to support local restaurants, bars, and establishments and their employees. City Attorney Philippa Guthrie described the request during their March 27th meeting. This is a request from the council for a recommendation that uh, we be allowed to make expenditures up to $2 million. We would not necessarily spend all of that, um, but we wanted the leeway uh, to support um, food and beverage entities and and other entities that under the statute, uh, we believe we should be able to support uh, because they are uh, tourism related to the convention center. Guthrie said money distribution processes will be determined by the city council after the FABTAC approves the fund usage. County attorney Jeff Cockerell said the state board of accounts is reviewing the request legality. Councilwoman Sue Scambolieri asked Cockerell if the State Board of Accounts' determination would affect the city and county funding. 
whatever decision they make or whatever guidance they provide will apply to monies proposed by the county and monies proposed by the city, correct? That's my understanding. I can tell you we've already gotten, in, uh, we had a previous round of information from the State Board of Accounts that says we are in good shape and that we can use this. Um, and so we're just kind of a little, we're very anxious to see what their new guidance is. Community Representative Susan Bright said a definition of small business is necessary for the public to know who will be getting support. She said businesses need to be treated fairly, but restaurants are particularly vulnerable to the economic loss. But I think restaurants need to be looked at in one category because you think about them opening commerce and the way they do that, they have to buy perishable goods. In order for them to sell their goods and get revenue, they have to be creative with it and put it on a plate and sell it. But our goods actually have gone away. They've been wasted. I, I can't tell you exactly how much each business has lost. I can tell you ours. Um, we generally buy about 77000 every month, and we've added up to about 10000 already that's just either been given away to employees, thrown away, or donated to um, nonprofits that need it. So these other businesses that don't have perishable items, like a gallery, they buy their goods, it sits on a shelf until the customer takes it. So these businesses that have lost sales, just like the restaurants, when they open their doors, those goods are still going to be sitting on the shelf. Whereas us restaurants, we have to reinvest into our product. Fabtac approved the request with two recusals from small business owners Susan Bright and Lenny Bush. Now in the program, WFHB correspondent Alex Dieterer looks at the silver lining of community members during the COVID-19 pandemic. We turn to Alex Dieterer as she shares a few positive stories from the community. IU senior Tyler Combs will compete in the 2020 Jeopardy! College Championship for a chance to win $100,000. Combs is majoring in Russian and East European Studies and Political Science. The episode will air Friday, April 10th. Nestled between Washington Boulevard and Pennsylvania Street, neighbors on 44th Street have begun a new nightly ritual amidst COVID-19 social distancing, front porch sing-alongs. Jill Vanis, an interpretive naturalist at Payne Town State Recreation Area at Lake Monroe, is taking to virtual programs through the Monroe Lake Facebook page to share her knowledge. In her videos, she walks through the woods to look for salamanders, and explores the activity center to read more about the snakes living there. Teachers at Edgewood Junior High School sent in video clips of themselves to health and wellness teacher Erica Musselwhite last week to be compiled into the first volume of the Corona Teen Chronicles. The video was then sent to students. The clips include teachers doing viral TikTok dances, reminders to wash hands, and ask for help when needed. Monroe County Community School Corporation Food Service Department will provide pickup service at all schools during the closure of the buildings. Students can pick up meals at any of the school sites or alternative locations. Pamela Meadows Edwards and her husband, a Columbus couple, created a new rendition to the song Yesterday by the Beatles. The remix is coronavirus-themed and can be watched at fox59.com. Reporting live from her home in Bedford, Indiana, is fifth-grade anchor Mia Robertson, as she has taken to producing a newscast for school. Joined by Landon Hill and his mother for their What's for Lunch segment, 
The students plan to host the shows from home three days a week until they go back to school. Jillian McAfee, director of operations for Invoke Studio in Indianapolis, is conducting yoga classes online in order to attempt to relieve some of the COVID-19 stress. The best part? It's free. For WFHB, I'm Alex Dieter. A COVID-19 press conference was held on March 27th to discuss local action in regards to the city's response to the pandemic. President of Indiana University Health, Brian Shockney, said the IU Bloomington Hospital is working to increase their bed count. So our sleep study uh, unit is, uh, we closed that unit and that is now a capacity for beds. That's part of our surge capacity plan. Um, we also have executed an agreement with Ivy Tech and their nursing school and their area there for patients who need to be discharged from our facility. Um, so if you're just, you can't go home because someone uh, has COVID at your house or they need to be quarantined, Ivy Tech has provided us their uh, facilities so that we can take patients there and they would be discharged from our facility, but we can help them. We have our pharmacy, our um, community pharmacy up and running. We'll be able to give them their meds that they need and be able to take them there and help them uh, stay there until they can get to another location. So that gives us capacity. We continue every day to bring more and more rooms up under negative pressure. And uh, based on our projections, we believe we have what we need to be able to take care of those um, those negative pressure rooms. Shockney said expansion will first happen within the hospital and external expansion options are arranged if necessary. He said the bed count is projected to be about 300. Shockney spoke about the phases of testing for patients. Last time we talked about three phases in testing, and the first phase was patients who would come to us, and we were using the Indiana State Department of Health testing site uh, for all of our patients. And then uh, last week about this time, we were standing up the IU Health uh, in Indianapolis Central Lab, Pathology Lab, to be able to start testing our own patients and also testing our healthcare workers. That's been going on for a week. Um, and now we are moving that to another site where it will be a drive-through site. Um, as we see more and more people coming forward, more of our healthcare workers and more of our patients needing testing, um, we are doing a drive-through site at our landmark location that will be coming up next week. So uh, the second phase is our patients our, that we care for here in our hospital. Uh, it will be our healthcare workers who we're seeing increased uh, their community acquired um, at this point. And then uh, we also then will be providing screening for all healthcare workers in this region, police and fire as well. So if they will go through our virtual hub, they'll dial into the virtual hub, the virtual hub will screen them and then they will direct them to this drive-through testing site, um, which will take, right now we're using the yellow tent that the county has been able to provide for us outside of our emergency room. And uh, now that we know we'll be seeing a lot more, we need to move to a, a, a off-site location where we can take care of more people and do testing on more people. Shockney said tests are sent eight times a day to an Indianapolis lab. He said the lab sends immediate results, which provides a quick release of patients and relief of patient anxiety. Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton said parking tickets are being waived for the time being. While we do monitor situations where there's, for example, parking in front of a hydrant where they may need to be towed, 
or if there's a car that's just abandoned or left for a long time, we may need to tow it. Uh, we are we are available to do that. Uh, like many employees in the city government, the parking uh, facility folks, parking um, personnel are being uh, redeployed and reassigned to do some different things. Uh, I won't go into the detail on that, but one thing, when we have a lot of vacant areas or vacant uh, apartments or lower population apartments, sometimes it's useful to have a, a presence there uh, to be seen, just to help protect uh, public safety. But those, they are not generally writing tickets. It's not generally been a problem that we've seen. If there are particular problems, residents or business owners can let us know and we can intercede in that. Mayor Hamilton said the Bloomington Police Department could issue citations for people in blatant violation of the stay-at-home order. 120,000 Indiana residents filed for jobless benefits last week. This is a record number of new unemployment claims. More than 1 in 20 Hoosiers lost their jobs since the pandemic began. The Associated Press reported 3.7% of Indiana's workers lost their jobs in a single week as the pandemic idled restaurants, bars, and other businesses considered non-essential. Altogether, almost 200,000 Indiana residents lost their jobs since the outbreak of COVID-19. The state's unemployment rate was down to 3.1% in February. The future remains unclear for those who have lost their jobs. Coming up next, WFHB's assistant news director, Sydney Foreman, speaks with the director of public works, Adam Wason, about early starts for road construction projects. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb's stay-at-home order and the Indiana University canceling of its face-to-face classes has left many people staying indoors, leaving the streets empty. As stated in the stay-at-home executive order 20-08, Public projects enhancing safety and transportation are considered essential business. Because of this, Bloomington Road and sidewalk construction projects will stay on track, and in some cases even begin earlier than expected. Adam Wason is the director of the Department of Public Works for the City of Bloomington. He said in a phone interview with WFHB that private contractors working on certain projects requested early start dates to take advantage of the empty streets. So the projects that have been moved up include um, the Kirkwood Maintenance Project and the uh, and some school zone safety projects. Wayson said since the projects are being performed by outside contractors, all materials and construction plans are prepared for an early start date. Uh, for instance, the Kirkwood Maintenance Project is being performed by EMB Paving, uh, a large local paving and construction company. Uh, that project's funded with 50% local dollars and 50% in-dot dollars through the Community Crossings Grant Program. And uh, EMB is a very large company that has a large workforce and large inventory of materials and supplies and those sorts of things. Um, you know, the Kirkwood project in particular is going to be a really uh, going to be a project that involves uh, putting safety bollards at all removable safety bollards at all intersections from uh, Indiana to Walnut for when festivals occur downtown and things. And uh, I know uh, those supplies were delivered within the last week. And so, yeah, uh, they'll have the necessary workforce and the necessary supplies. 
As community members are being told to stay inside to prevent the spread of COVID-19, those who still have to leave the house to work may be more susceptible to the virus. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, only 29% of American workers can work from home. Construction workers are among the 71% of those whom cannot. Oyson said the city of Bloomington is urging the active construction workers on these projects to follow the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's protocols. Yeah, you know, absolutely. We're constantly reviewing our own policies and procedures for our own staff, and as part of this would uh, certainly be making that uh, request to all the contracting companies as well to take all uh, precautions into uh, consideration and to practice, you know, things like uh, physical distancing and other Wayson said the city recognizes the uncharted conditions and is taking all necessary preventative measures to keep everyone as safe as possible. For WFHB, I'm Sydney Foreman. That was Sydney Foreman speaking with Adam Wayson, Director of Public Works, about getting an early start on road construction projects in Bloomington. Next up, our weekly consumer watchdog program, Better Beware, brought to you by Richard Fish on the WFHB Local News. Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. Well, it's April Fool's Day, and if scammers and swindlers had a national holiday, this would be it. For the rest of us, let's not give them anything to celebrate. At the moment, the worldwide COVID-19 pandemic is what the lowlifes are doubling down on, and their latest sideshow is fake tests for the coronavirus. The Indiana Attorney General and others are warning about these. As of now, there is no test you can give yourself at home. The only tests available for this disease are given by medical professionals and require a doctor's order, and even those are in short supply. There's a lot of people working to make better tests, quicker tests, and more of them, but you can't do it yourself, and anybody who says you can is a crook. Also, what with the lockdowns across the country and lots of businesses closed, there's been a huge surge of work-from-home scams. The fraudsters are sending emails, using robocalls, putting up bogus websites, and even putting ads in newspapers and magazines. The fake opportunities greatly outnumber the real ones, and the real ones are being slammed with applications. So if you're considering some kind of hookup with a work-from-home company, research them thoroughly first. For starters, check them out with the Better Business Bureau, the Federal Trade Commission at FTC.gov, and the Indiana Attorney General at IndianaConsumer.com. Most of all, Never forget for a moment that any work-from-home deal that looks too good to be true definitely is these days. But most of us are keeping our heads down and trying to avoid the virus. And so far, it's true, we are having an easier time of it in south-central Indiana than people in a lot of other places, especially big cities. But that may not last, especially if things open back up again before we get better treatments for the disease or an effective vaccine to prevent it. 
So we should all develop some good habits now that'll help if that happens. The virus is spread through the air. A recent study found that it lives maybe three hours floating around in the breeze, but it's also spread on surfaces. The latest word from the National Institutes of Health is that COVID-19 can live up to four hours on copper, up to a day on cardboard, and up to three days on plastic and stainless steel. Have you disinfected your car? The steering wheel, door handles, and car keys are prime germ carriers. You can pick up the virus from entering numbers on a gas pump or ATM machine. One study found that a gas pump handle had 11,000 times more germs on it than a household toilet seat. Using gloves, or disinfectant wipes if you can find them, is a good idea. Stay safe, stay healthy, and don't be an April Fool. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at wfhb.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at wfhb.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Katrine Bruner, Alex Dieterer, Cade Young, and Sydney Foreman, in partnership with CATS Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Sydney Foreman. Better Beware was produced by Richard Fish. Our executive producer is Cade Young. Our theme music is produced by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. For WFHB, this is Sydney Foreman. And I'm Cade Young. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent local news program. You can be part of our award-winning news team. Send inquiries to news at wfhb.org. Stay tuned for Hearabouts, Asian American Midwest Radio, coming up next on WFHB. WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 